0: Hello, and thank you for joining us today on Workforce Institute Radio. I'm Joyce Moroni, Executive Director of the Workforce Institute at Kronos, and today we're continuing the series of podcasts we're hosting on key ideas from our most recently published book, which is Being Present, A Practical Guide for Transforming the Employee Experience of Your Frontline Workforce. Our book is a practical guide comprised of chapters contributed by our terrific Board of Advisors on how to transform the employee experience of your frontline workforce with a special focus on jobs that require the employee to be physically present. So think of the cashier at a store, home health workers, or the barista at your favorite coffee shop. My guest today and one of our authors is John Holland. John is a longtime Workforce Institute board member. He's managing editor of Fuel 50, and he is an award-winning journalist, nationally recognized expert on leadership, talent management, and smart workforce practices. John's chapter in our book is entitled Rethinking Frontline Hiring with an Eye Toward Transferable Skills. In this chapter, he talks about the importance of hiring and developing workers based on broader analyses of their skills and their opportunities for growth. So, John, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Joyce. It's great to be here. So let's get right to it. Um, My first question is, can you tell our audience about yourself and why you were interested in contributing this particular uh, chapter to the book?
1: I'd be happy to. Um, You sort of covered me in a nutshell version very well, I'm a long-time newspaper editor. I did that for 20 years, but I've also worked in magazines. I was editor of uh, San Diego Business Journal. I've worked in business-to-business publications, started websites. Uh, I've worked in the HR talent management field for, I don't know, going on about uh, 20 years now. So I've done that quite a bit, both in magazines and online. I founded... Uh, the website TLNT, which a lot of p- people know, and now as you pointed out, I'm working for Fuel50, which is a New Zealand-based company that its focus has been on the employee experience. But I'm continuing to write for blogs like Fistful of Talent and for uh, my former publications online at ERE Media, and I also teach part time. I'm an adjunct professor at California State University Fullerton in the College of Communication, so I'm really busy. Uh, I have a lot of things go go going on, and that's. That's a good thing right now, given uh, given the the you know, state of the world.
0: Yeah, exactly. So um, let's take a little into your um, chapter. Can you tell the audience what what the focus of your chapter is, and, and really, what are some of the key takeaways that you would hope people would uh, get from it if they invest the time to read the book?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to and you know, as I look at the chapter now and and you 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 were great it's chapter eleven rethinking frontline hiring with an eye towards transferable skills um right now, given where we are, transferable skills are more important than ever um and one of the things you find out the question always is, what the heck are trans transferable skills? They're basically soft skills, and soft skills. Are things like the ability to work with other people, the you know, and and those those kinds of things that soft skills for a long time have been um, sort of in and out, um, put down by a lot of people who believe hard skills, you know, the actual physical, you know, if you're like an engineer, all the hard things that engineers learn. That you need to have, but an engineer is a great case in point because engineers have great hard skills. They generally have terrible soft skills, which means they have a hard time working with other people, playing well with others. They're not personable. They don't know how to talk to talk to people. You know, all of those things that kind of provide the smoothing elements that you need in like a workforce. Um, one of the things in my chapter that, like, I lead off with is a story about how um, last year Apple um, needed somebody new to manage all of their stores. And if you've ever been in like an Apple store, they are really successful. They're busy all the time, um, and they're they're are a, a global presence. And it's really the most front-facing place Apple has to actually physically meet with their their customers. Well when they needed a new head of like the Apple stores and they had since they founded them generally had retailing people running them, Apple and Tim Cook who is the CEO took this very different approach. They promoted their senior vice president of people, basically their HR leader, their chief HR officer to be chief HR person and head of their retail division and people sort of scratched their head and thought, why is this? Well, the reason is they really wanted somebody who was immersed and knew the ins and outs of Apple culture. They felt that was really important at this point in time for their leadership of their stores. And she had the soft skills that they needed to make that happen. So that was a really important thing, and they've been very happy with her in that role, but she certainly was not somebody that people thought would be a candidate for the job, much less the choice. So that's what the chapter focuses on, you know, hiring for transport transferable skills. And when you think about it, soft skills really are about, like agility that you, you hear that a lot now, now a day she's, we need to be much more, much more agile. And what that means is having people who can easily move from one role to the next and soft skills really lend themselves to do it. Because if somebody understands the company culture really well, as this new head of uh, head of Apple stores does, it makes it very easy to move back and forth. And, um, I was thinking back when I worked for Gannett, uh, Gannett is now and was, when I worked for them, the largest newspaper publisher in the United States. And they own publications like USA Today and a whole bunch of different, uh, different papers. And when Al Newharth, back probably 25 or 30 years ago, was the CEO, Al decided I'm tired of telling people we need to move more women into management. I'm just going to do it. And he promoted women all over the company who weren't really on paper ready for a big leap up into a big job. But his take is they can learn on the job. They understand our culture. And if I don't do it like this, it will never get done. And the woman I worked with in my first Gannett job, I was, I was ed- ed- editor of two Gannett papers. I was, um, I was the ed- ed- editor of their statewide paper in Montana and executive editor of their statewide paper in Hawaii based in, based in Honolulu. And the publisher who hired me in, who was a publisher in Great Falls, Montana, she had been one of the women swept up. She was running the copy desk at their Reno paper and when Al decided to do this, she, she was the managing ed- editor all of a sudden and then moved to be a top editor and then moved to be like a, be like a publisher in very short time. And I remember asking her about this and she says, I wasn't ready, but boy, I learned a lot really quick and it was just exciting to be able to do this. And I found I had more skills than I knew I had. And I think trans, transferable skills really come down to that. People have a lot more skills than I think a lot of people give them credit for. And those soft skills are really important. So that's the gist of what the chapter is about.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's really, um, uh very much a focal point of of that chapter is is that is is also about not pigeonholing people i think you you just kind of hit on that with you know when you talk about this woman given all these opportunities and realizing on her own behalf that she had more skills than she thought she did i think you know a lot of times people do get um Tagged as having a very particular set of skills, probably hired for these certain hard skills and, and then, you know, can become frustrated when they are not being presented with other types of opportunities as, as their careers progress. And that's probably also, it's kind of interesting to reflect on now you've, you've alluded to, but we haven't said in the podcast so far that right now we're, we're in the middle of, the global COVID-19 pandemic and we're almost two months into stay-at-home orders in in many places certainly where where you live and and where I live and um, frankly a, a lot of people are um, unemployed right now and not because they want to be uh and but you're also seeing a lot of stories of people Really stepping up in, in, um, both expected and unexpected ways and expected in that, you know, clearly people who are on the front lines of the healthcare, um, industry or people who are first line responders in their, in their day jobs, um, are, are performing at the top of their game. But you also have people in jobs that may not get a lot of attention under normal circumstances. So delivery people and, and people working at grocery stores who are essential workers in these times. And, you know, I wonder if you, you know, have you reflected at all about, you know, what are, you know, probably what are some of the really untapped and unexplored strengths that people are, are um, exhibiting now in ways and in places that we might not have necessarily
1: expected this courage and this leadership to come from? Well, you know, right now, I think what you're seeing in a lot of businesses and let's let's just talk about the ones that are still open. And you talked about the grocery stores. You know, they don't have their entire staff. Uh, available Because they have some people who, because of health challenges and such, just just cannot work, even though they're an essential business. So they've had to scramble quite a bit to move people around to cover all of their needs. This is the essence of having transferable skills that you have people that you brought in and that you um, knew that they had the ability to learn. And they probably had some skills to start maybe in a specific job that they were, they were very, very good for. But the, the companies that are thriving or managing to keep themselves moving ahead during this time are the ones that invested in helping people learn and to be able to move around into a lot of different different positions, so if one day you find out hey three people we thought we were going to have because the health challenges can 't be here, can you move over to this department instead, or can you move over and take that job on that ability to be again what people talk about agile. Is really important, and I think that what you're seeing is a lot of companies that um, are now looking back, say, "Geez, I wish we'd done a lot more work on this before now, because now we're seeing where we really need it." And I think coming on out of this, you're going to see, you know, a lot of a lot of organizations look at. How are we prepared for the next time something big happens? It may not be as, as big as this, but what can we do to make sure our staff is as flexible and agile as it possibly can be? Maybe that means more, more training that maybe that means more job sharing. Maybe that means more, um, giving people an opportunity that perhaps they didn't um, seem ready for, but we kind of pushed them a little bit because we need them to be ready just in case.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, so I, I think you um, largely addressed what was going to be my next question, which is, how do you think following the advice in your chapter can help a leader and their organization be more successful? So you know, you you touched on this this ability to Respond in a, in a crisis. Are, are there other things you wanted to, to say on that regard?
1: Well, that's a great question because it's easy to see how transferable skills are important during a crisis. It's less easy to see that in just the average day to day work life that most organizations find themselves in. But that's sort of the whole point of this is that the time to be really thinking about the need to be agile, the need to help people have better transferable skills um, is when things aren't at a crisis point. And um, it just makes you more flexible as a organization if you've taken the time to give the – People on your staff who you think really have good transferable skills, opportunities to do different things, that's going to help you down the road. Um, you know, I've worked at places where suddenly one day somebody who was a key um, contributor broke a leg, got sick, had a family emergency, something where they were taken out of the picture, and you found, oh, they're the only one who could really do this job. Who's going to do it now? And so by, you know, really looking at transferable skills, giving people opportunities and um, moving them around is a really smart thing to to do so that you're as flexible and agile as possible. Whenever you do have something pop up that um, you can't really deal with unless you have people who can be moved around in different roles, that's just a really good management practice, I would think.
0: So, John, I think we've talked about a couple of different examples um, from your your past in terms of stories that have shaped your view on the importance of cultivating transferable skills. Is there any particular um, additional story you'd like
1: to share in that regard? Well, you know, one I always come back to is I worked as a vice president and a founder, one of the founding employees at a pretty famous dot-com during the big dot-com boom back in uh, the turn of the century. And it was a company called Pets.com. I was employee number seven, and I was the vice president of editorial brought in to build out uh, the editorial team. And the thing that shocked the CEO and my boss, who was the president of the company, was how flexible I was in my skill set and how many different things I could do. They had me helping out in marketing. They had me helping out in merchandising. They had me helping out here, there, and, and everywhere. And what they told me was they thought, geez, we thought we were just hiring You know, somebody to run the editorial department, and here you can do all of these different things. And that's because in my newspaper life, I was the one editor in the newsroom who was sent around to deal with problems in other parts of, like, the operation. If there's a problem where the newsroom had to be be represented dealing with the production department or the composing room or the printing plant. I was the one who always got thrown in to do it because I had more transferable skills and a better business sense. And so, you know, when I got to the dot-com, they were just stunned that I could do all of these different things and they had hired somebody who had a lot more skills than they thought they had. And that's not unusual in in how it works. I can't tell you the number of times I've hired a person for job A and found out they could do about ten other things too that I didn't have any idea of and frankly never even entered into the picture when I was thinking about hiring them but I was so happy that I hired them because they could then move around. Um, and so that's really what it comes down to, being agile and being flexible to move around folks. And so I found that in my own personal life, and as I've managed, I've tried to bring that to the places that I've worked and the teams that I've led. So,
0: John, what do you think are, um, you know, when people are listening to this this advice, and especially when it comes to, you know, getting creative about, identifying and developing people's other skill sets. What do you think are the common challenges that people face when they think about doing this and and when they start to grapple with doing this and and what would be the top couple of things you would tell them about, um, you know, how do you mitigate the risk or or difficulty of implementing this advice?
1: Well, as with everything in life that takes planning and forethought, I think sometimes it's really difficult. You get so into what you just need to get by today, maybe tomorrow. If you're thinking long-term at all, it's maybe through the end of the week. You know, people are so busy in their jobs. They have so many pressures. Um, oftentimes, looking down the road and being ready for what might happen is a nice thought but doesn't really enter into the reality of the way people work and the way people manage. Um, But it's a really important thing to be thinking about because um, companies that are able to change quickly because they have people with soft skills that they've managed to – get experience in many different parts of like the, you know, operation that they've actually invested the time and the energy in letting them take on the different roles. They're going to be in so much better shape when they do have challenges rise, which all companies have. And I I think it's just, you got to invest today in what you're going to need tomorrow. And that's, that's something that, you know, is easy to say, Hard to do, but I think it's almost essential and I think what we 're finding from the current crisis that we 're in it's even more essential moving ahead because a lot of companies and organizations have just found themselves flat footed here They're, they 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 weren 't ready for this, and you can make the case well geez, nobody could be ready for something of the magnitude of the of the problems that we are seeing now but Even if you were ready for a much smaller magnitude thing, you'd be much more flexible to deal with the problems that we're now facing. I think a lot of organizations would be in much, much better shape. So that is what I would tell them. It's a necessity to do. It's not a good to have. You need to be ready for the future. Better start getting ready now. And flexible skills is absolutely at the heart of that. So John,
0: I um I just have one final question for you and and that is are there any uh any parting thoughts you have for people when it comes to identifying and developing transferable skills that we have not already hit on today.
1: You know, I think it really comes down to um what I sort of cite as the essence of uh of management and that is you, you know The walking around the room style of management, and that means talking to people, getting out, talking to to, to them. Um, For a long time, I've talked about how bad management in like America is in general. Not that there's not good managers, not that there's not well-managed companies, um, but there's a lot of bad management. And it's because a lot of managers are really passive. And this takes an active management style. Go out and talk to your people. find out what they what they want to do. Find out what they are really good at. And oftentimes you're surprised at what you hear when there's no pressure on when you're just walking around checking in with folks as good managers should be doing every day. The more you sort of drill in in those unstructured um times when there's not a lot of pressure when people have a few moments you're going to oftentimes find out things that you never knew and that lead into this wow joe used to do x I kind of need that kind of work. Maybe I should look at finding some way to get Joe some more experience doing that here too because the way we do it's a little different and if I have Joe do it, he'd be ready for the next time we need somebody to slip into that role. That's the way to sort of look at it and I just think more organizations need to take that approach. So I would say make sure you have your managers drilling into people and talking to them every day about what they're doing, what they believe that they are good at doing, what their aspirations are, and you know what they think they can add. If you do those things, I think you'll find out a lot of things about them and a lot of ways you can use the concept of transferable and soft skills to benefit your own organization.
0: Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time today to share your wisdom with our listeners. Um, and thank you, listeners, um, for spending your time with us. You can add your own comments to the conversation at workforceinstitute.org. And until next time, um, stay well and thank you so much for listening.